Hello, people of the way. Uh, we're going to continue our study through the book of Ephesians. And precursory to our study today, we do have some uh, some other passages that we want to look at. Uh, it's very important. We're on the topic of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Now, if you haven't listened to our Wednesday study through Deuteronomy chapter 20, make sure you listen to that study. It's very important to understand these aspects, these very important uh, uh, instructions regarding spiritual warfare. Uh, it just so happens that the Lord has us on Deut- on Wednesday through Deuteronomy 20, and here we are in Ephesians 6, and the subject matter in both passages is on warfare. Now, when I say it just so happens, I don't believe in coincidences. The Lord has us here for a reason. It's for us to understand this fight that, yes, we're all engaged in, uh, but then at the same time, when we're all engaged in it, what is the what is the condition of our heart? My heart, your heart, we're all in the same boat. And sometimes the fight, it's intense with others. It's more intense with another. Sometimes it's less intense. Uh, but at the same time, to have this understanding that, uh, that as we are in this spiritual warfare, understand that the battle will intensify and the battle will come straight up right to our doorsteps. It's very important to understand these things for these dark days that we're in. And these days are going to get darker and darker and darker and darker. It is prophesied. These things must come to pass. But understand too the covenants. Now, turn with me really quick to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at some precursory passages on the subject matter of spiritual warfare. Now, in math or in Matthew chapter 5, open up your Bible to Matthew 5, and here we are in Matthew 5 in verse 38. The Lord Jesus Christ, he says, "You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth." Now, He's citing the law. It just so happens as well that we just looked at this several weeks ago in our study through Deuteronomy. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, a lot of Christians get themselves in trouble because they apply the carnal blueprints to a spiritual fight. We are people of the new covenant. We are not a people of the old covenant. Now, the I stress that importance But at the same time, if you don't have uh, this deeper understanding of the two covenants, listen to our study through Galatians, all of it, and you'll understand more. It's very important to understand because there are rules of engagement in the two covenants. Remember how on, uh, on Wednesday, when we looked at Deuteronomy 2020, those who were um, uh, biblically qualified. The formula was right in their hearts, in their minds. Those were the ones who were capable of being on the front lines. Those were the warriors. Now, to stress the importance of being, you know, the, the concept of cheek to cheekness. Now, you're hearing that for the first time if you're only listening to the New Testament. But if you remember our study from Deuteronomy 20, you understand the concept of cheek to cheekness. And that is close proximity, close, close proximity to the Lord. Let there be no daylight between you and the Lord. And when there is no daylight, when you are cheek to cheek with the Lord, oneness with Him and all that implies, that means cleanness of heart, cleanness of mind, you are right before the Lord. Now, when you are in that situation, now you are biblically qualified 
to engage in this fight. Now, in accordance to the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, that is rules of engagement in accordance to that covenant, in accordance to that theater of war. And that's where it's carnal. It's of the flesh. How many times when we're studying the Old Testament do you hear us say, observe Israel according to the flesh. Observe Israel according to the flesh. Observe Israel according to the flesh. The flesh, the flesh, the flesh. And yet we see these aspects of warfare according to the flesh in the Old Testament. Not to say that there is no spiritual application, but we are new covenant believers. You see? And so when we understand the rules of engagement, it becomes much easier for you and me as new covenant believers to apply the rules in the theater of the new covenant under the rules of engagement in accordance to the new covenant. Same commander, exact same commander, Jesus Christ, commander of the armies of heaven. Same commander, Old Testament, same commander, cheek to cheekness with him. Old Testament, cheek to cheekness with him. New covenant, same exact thing, same commander, cheek to cheekness with him. Except there's different rules of engagement, different rules for the different theaters, for the different covenants. One's for the old, the other's for the new. One is for the old in accordance to the flesh, 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 flesh. The other, for you and me, is according to the spirit. A different set of rules of engagement. You see, same commander. If there's any veterans listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You go into one region, you have a specific set of rules of engagement. You go, you're, you have the same exact commander, you have the same exact unit, you go into a different region, and you have another set of rules of engagement. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, if you're a civilian, you don't know. You might have an idea, but it's very specific. Now, the warrior class, in accordance to the flesh, the veterans, my beautiful veteran brothers and sisters, there's a toughness that's required. Yes, physical. Yes, mental. But never, ever, ever forget discipline. Never. Where we get the word disciple. And I say that to my veteran friends because this might resonate a little different from my uh, civilian friends, my uh, non-veteran friends, even active duty. You, know, you might be active duty listening. I know there are some of our uh, uh, listeners, some of the uh, friends that you know, I, we, I have been in contact with, veteran groups, and they do a lot of ministry through other veterans and through uh, uh, veteran groups. And, you know, some of the messages are shared and broadcast on other platforms. And, you know, it's it's beautiful. But to understand the, in the theater of war, in the theater of combat, on the battlefield, understand the two theaters, old, which is the old covenant, and the new, which is the new covenant. Same commander. Rules of engagement are different. But in both cases, cheek to cheekness is required. You see, proximity to Jesus Christ, closeness with him, closeness to the Lord. And when the formula is not right, go home. 
You see? Just like our study on Wednesday through Deuteronomy chapter 20. When the formula is not right in the warrior class, go home. Non-deployable. Liability on the battlefield. Not an asset, a liability on the battlefield. Now, there are some implications, both negative and positive, in the Old Testament. But as New Covenant believers, when we think about, okay, go home, same exact with the Old Testament. To go home isn't necessarily a bad thing. It can be, depending on why a person isn't right with the Lord. But going home is something that is so incredibly beautiful because if the formula is not right with you it's not to say okay go home and you know you can never be a warrior class no it's to say go home study the scriptures get right with the lord understand be equipped be trained and when that happens front lines you see understand the two covenants a lot of christians get themselves in trouble it is self-inflicted get themselves in trouble because they try to apply old covenant rules as a new covenant believer but it's a different different set of rules of engagement now if you're a veteran or active duty you know exactly what i'm talking about that can't be done that can never be done to apply rules of engagement in, in, in one campaign in one region of the world. And then all of a sudden you deploy to another region. Those old rules of engagement, that's over. That was specific to that theater, to that area, to, to, to that specific battlefield. But now you go into another region and now it's a completely different ballgame. There could be some similarities. There could be some overlap, but it's a completely set of different set of rules of engagement. Yes, there is a toughness that's required. Speaking according to the flesh, there is a physical toughness, but there is also a mental toughness. And then there is also extremely high levels of discipline required. You see, unto the commander, obedience to orders of the commander. But the same exact thing applies according to the Spirit. A little differentiation. Because according to the flesh, it requires a toughness. But according to the Spirit, there's a different kind of toughness. And that is of the Spirit. That, that's Old Testament and New Testament. There is a, a, a physical toughness. I get that. Especially when you see Israel engage in combat. But then at the same time, don't forget the toughness is being one with the Lord. And it's not a toughness of oneself. It is a soul, a heart, a mind that is 100% sold out to the Lord. You see? Because when, when God is with you, when you stand with the Lord, that's... There's... He is... The Almighty, there, there is no one more mighty than Him. Nothing is more mighty than Him. And that, that's what happens when you stand with the Lord. You see, people say, oh, God is with me, God is with me. Okay, you know, there are biblical promises where the Lord is with us individually and corporately. There are biblical promises where the Lord is with us, but never, ever forget, are we with Him? Are you with Him? Am I with Him? You see, in accordance to His rules, which and it is, is 
Genesis to Revelation, when we see, understand what scripture says and what the Bible teaches and you and me yielding to the word of God, you and me yielding to the spirit of the Lord. See, and so we understand these different rules of engagement in terms of the old covenant and new covenant as is written here in Matthew 5 verse 38. You have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth for tooth. That's old covenant. That's one set of rules of engagement. What Moses wrote of and Moses wrote about me, Jesus says. Same commander. Same commander. Close to cheek to cheekness, proximity to, to the Lord. Still required. Old Testament. And so in verse 38 in Matthew 5, the Lord, our commander, is referencing Rules of engagement for the theater of the Old Testament. Now he pivots. The fulfillment of the law. The fulfillment of the promise. Jesus Christ, our commander. He pivots to another covenant. Remember how the the law is the additive. There's the promise that God gave unto Abraham. But then the law was added because of transgression. Because of sin. Until the seed And now this seed is speaking in Matthew 5, verse 38. This seed is speaking. Our commander is speaking. And he says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do you know how hardcore that is? There is only one who can even utter such a thing. But I tell you, it's the seed the fulfillment of the law, the fulfillment of the promise. There is only one who can even utter such a thing. The commander. I mean, if you're some of my veteran friends whom I love, you're in a theater of combat, a a, a hot zone, very dangerous environment. You have rules of engagement given by commander. And all of a sudden, Joe Schmuckatelli next to you says, hey, I'm going to change the rules of engagement. That's not happening. Not happening at all. The only one who can change the, 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 the rules of engagement is the commander. The only one. You see? And that's what we see here in Matthew 5. He says, but I tell you, and the only one who can, I say change the rules of engagement, but there's really no change. Because according to promise, we understand that the law is the additive. Remember our study through Galatians? If you're listening for the first time, listen to our study through Galatians. It's not to say that the law was changed. It's to understand that the promise is the lineage of the promise continues and the law itself is the additive why because of sin and so the commander our commander and i speak to christians i speak to believers when i say our commander because remember we're speaking on the subject matter of spiritual warfare and our commander jesus christ the commander of the armies of heaven Son of the Most High God. All authority given to Him. He says, but I tell you, in verse 39, not to resist an evil person. Whoa! 
Not to resist an evil person? Not to oppose an evil person? That's hardcore. A lot of Christians get into heaps and heaps and heaps and mountains of trouble because they apply old covenant rules of engagement to the new covenant theater. And that is they fight according to the flesh. They fight according to the flesh. For example, turn with me really quick to uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And in Hebrews chapter 10, we see this. A lot of Christians today in these last days where we are, uh, particularly in the events of these last days, a lot of Christians cite Hebrews chapter 10. Here we are in verse 24. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. I can make a strong case that the writer is Paul. Some say it's Paul. Some say it's Apollo. Some say it's other people. I can make a strong case that it's Paul, but it's not exactly clear. We see here in verse 24, Hebrews 10, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And this is what a lot of Christians today cite. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. A lot of Christians today are citing this verse. Now, some rightfully so, some wrongfully so. Government tyranny on the rise, and it's going to get much worse in these last days. Much, much worse in these last days. We're seeing the beast of the earth, the beast from the sea. We're seeing these beast systems emerge. And as they emerge, we're also seeing something else. They're growing teeth. They're growing teeth. They're getting strong. We're seeing these things happen. Now, it's very important to understand the seasons, the times, just as the sons of Issachar had this understanding and they gave instruction. Because we can look geopolitically at the Middle East and Israel and the Abraham Accords. And yes, there are major prophetic uh, implications with that potential fulfillment. I mean, potentially speaking, the 70th week of Daniel could happen very soon. The beginning of the 70th week of Daniel. Now, as a little side note, I do not teach a pre-tribulation rapture. I do not teach a pre-tribulation rapture. Now, I know that that's very abrasive for many people hearing that because it is widely accepted a pre-tribulation rapture. But listen to our study. There's several studies to listen to. One of them is called um, uh, Jacob's Trouble, Biblically Explained. Listen to that. And then listen to another one. It's called When is the Rapture? And you'll understand. It's very important to understand what's happening. If the 70th week of Daniel begins, it could be within a month. It could be within a year. The Lord could tarry and it could be even further out. 
But we're starting to see these events as prophesied converge. And I shouldn't say we're starting to see it. It's already happening. Once that happens, the beginning of the 70th week, what should happen is that those who adhere to a pre-tribulation rapture doctrine should no longer believe in that. That's what should happen. But remember, apostasy is prophesied. Times of sorrows. A lot of Christians I speak to today, oh, we got to fight against tyrannical government and tyrannical government. Look, the Bible says that it's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together and the government is not, they're, they're restricting us and they're not letting us gather. And so, you know, to arms, you know, or let's form these coalitions and these polit- political action committees and let's do this, let's form this so that we can come against the government and look, we're houses of worship and, you know, the Christians, we got to band together with the Catholics and the Episcopals and the Buddhists and the Muslims and the, you know, the Krishnas and all these people because we're houses of worship and we're going to form this political action committee, this political group, and we're going to come against this government tyranny because look, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. Look, the government is imposing against us. And I say unto you, observe the flesh. Observe the flesh, the carnal nature. It is also prophesied. There is a mother of harlots a mother of harlots which means she has daughters daughter harlots and there is going to be this unification this like a unity movement under the guise of you know for the sake of peace so-called peace i'm doing my air quotes and this mother of harlots is drunk on the the, the blood of the of the saints Drunk with the wine, which is the blood of the saints. It is prophesied. And as you see, Christians walking according to the flesh. Oh, we got to come against the government. We got to fight against the government. Look, the Bible says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves. So look, we're going to form these coalitions. We're going to join with the Catholics, the Buddhists, the Muslims, the Krishnas. We're going to form with the Episcopals. We're going to form with all these so that we can fight government because we're, we're all under the umbrella of these houses of worship. And so we're going to come against the government and we're going to fight, 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 fight. And I say unto you, observe the flesh. Observe the flesh. Now you see Christians in these coalitions joining together with Catholics, praying together, asking Mary instead of Jesus. Christians praying, asking Buddha instead of Jesus, and I say unto you, behold the mother of harlots. She is starting to appear for such a time as this. And this mother of harlots, mother of whores, which means her daughters are whores, 
Can you see? Let us continue. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, this word forsaking is to leave, desert, and abandon. That is not to leave, not to desert, not to abandon the assembling of ourselves together. This is episunagage. Episunagage. Within the ecclesia, within the, 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 the koinonia, the hagios, when the formula is right. If you're in a fellowship, if you're in a fellowship where the formula is right and all that's implied, if you're in a fellowship where the formula is right, do not leave. Do not abandon. I have these conversations with Christians all the time. Oh, I've been going to this church for decades. You know, the, 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 the pastor baptized my daughter. The pastor did, did, look, we're good friends. And the pastor's son, I saw him grow up and now he's head pastor, all these things. Oh, but so what if we go grape soaking? No big deal. Oh, but so what if we have the study Bible? The guy says you take the mark of the beast, they'll be saved. No big deal. So what if we have our coalition stuff? Our coalition stuff, replacement theology. No big deal. Listen, it's a huge deal. Our loyalty, our loyalty is not with church, is not with uncle, is not with even closer family our loyalty is to Jesus Christ remember cheek to cheek with the commander in the case of Corinth they did plenty to forsake the assembly sometimes Christians we look on the outside oh don't forsake the assembly don't forsake the assembly but through the flesh we're the ones who forsake the assembly. How? Through sin, through trespass. Look at the arrested development in Corinth. Remember, they were babies. And the problem was they stayed babies. And when they stayed babies, Paul says, okay, if that's the case, you want to be a baby? Now we have to make this uh, distinction between the remnant and the leaven. If you're leaven, separate from the leaven. That's what he says to the remnant. Separate from the leaven. Don't even eat with such a person. And when I say leaven, it's the works of the flesh. The sex, the drugs, the extortion, all these, uh, this, the alcohol. Separate from them. Now, now that the, 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 the leaven is gone. Now, there is a, now what's so powerful about leaven is that leaven doesn't have to stay leaven. Leaven can, be restored again. And that's when we get into 2 Corinthians. When Paul says, bring this guy back in. Bring these people back in. But repentance has to happen. Leaven can be grafted in again. But leaven can stay leaven. And that's not good. When leaven stays leaven. When the formula is right. If you're in a fellowship where the formula is right. Stay there. Don't leave, don't desert, don't abandon. But if the formula is wrong, you need to jump ship.
because our loyalty is to Jesus Christ, the real Jesus, the biblical Jesus. And I know it's very difficult for a lot of Christians. Oh, I can't, I have, I can't leave this church. Look, he baptized my son. I can't leave this church. Look, I've been going here for 30 years. I can't leave this church. But let me ask you a question. What if the church has left its first love? What if the pastor has left its first love? And if that's the case, and that's you, and you have a hard time in leaving a church, you're not necessarily leaving the church per se. You're remaining with Jesus Christ. Your cheek-to-cheekness is with Him. See? You're the one that needs to jump ship. They're the ones that abandon Christ. You see, you're the one that needs to leave and find another church, which is very, very difficult in these last days. Very, very difficult in the last days. I'm of the strong conviction that the home fellowship is the biblical model for the last days. Strong conviction. People say, oh, you don't see church after Revelation chapter 4. You don't see the word church. That means we're raptured out of here before all this stuff happens. Wrong. That means the church enters judgment. Exactly as the Spirit revealed to Peter, where judgment comes first to the house of God. Church is a dangerous place in the last days. Remember four categories of the last days church? It's either false, it's apostate, it is entering apostasy, or it is true. And if we do an even distribution, which it probably isn't, but if we do an even distribution, that's 75% likely. It's likely that 75% of churches are wrong, are dangerous. And that's just with an even distribution. It's probably the remnant is like 5%, maybe even 3%, which means an even higher percentage percentage of churches are in the wrong. Very, very dangerous times. Many Christs propagated by many false teachers, false pastors, false prophets. And yet the real Jesus, whose word is above his name, warns, hey, be on the lookout. There will be many Christs. And he says, they're going to say this, they're going to say that. And what does he say? Do not believe it. You see? It is written here in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. This verse, verse 25, that not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, it's going to get even, it's going to intensify to the utmost of importance as we progress further in the events of the last days and we see the day approaching. And yet the Bible says, don't leave. When the formula is right, don't leave. Not forsaking the assembling. When the formula is wrong, jump ship. Now, a lot of Christians, according to the flesh, 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 they like to look at verse 25 and apply a carnal fight. Forming these coalitions. 
They get angry. Have you ever had a conversation with a, a Christian who is just incensed at government overreach? Incensed. And all I say, observe the flesh. Remember these words, observe the flesh. And the next time you're speaking to a Christian and they're just incensed at government overreach, remember the words, observe the flesh and do exactly that. Look at the anger. Look at how it rises. Look, they might even say cuss words. They might even make excuses for sin, excuses for living in a carnal nature to achieve something that, prophetically speaking, is unachievable. Blind to the signs of the last days. A lot of Christians love to cite verse 25 attempting to fight a a battle in the carnal nature but they forget verse 26 the very ne- not even a couple verses later the very next verse notice this verse 26 for if we we remember this now this is Christians if we now people say well Hebrews that is written those are the Jewish believers okay If you're of the opinion, if you are of the opinion that the book of Hebrews is written to Jewish believers in Christ, in Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile. It is written. There is also no male, female. It is written. Since the Bible says that, since the word reveals that, Since our commander speaks such through his vessels, now we know that verse 6 applies to you and me because in Christ there is no Jew nor Gentile. Let's continue, verse 26. If we sin willfully, willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, remember this is to Christians. If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Oh my goodness. The church is in trouble. You come to Jesus Christ. You believe in Jesus Christ. Praise be to the Lord. He's the sacrifice for sins. But if sin is done willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Whoa, the church is in trouble. The church is in big trouble. This is where we get into, you know, turn to Hebrews chapter 6 really quick. And in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. For it is impossible, 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 for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. Very interesting. A lot of Christians think there's finality with becoming a believer. There's finality with being a partaker of the Holy Spirit. That it's a done deal. Okay, once saved, always saved. Okay, I've received the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm good to go. Now it's a done deal. But hold on. 
The Bible says here in chapter 6, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4, that it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, past tense, and have tasted, past tense, the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. Verse 6, if they fall away, if they fall away, I'll say this again, if they fall away. Remember, verse 4 says it is impossible. And if such a person falls away, who has been a partaker of the Holy Spirit, who has tasted the heavenly gift and the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, that it is impossible, in verse 6, to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. Oh my goodness. The church is in trouble. You say, wait a second, I believe in once saved, always saved. That's nice. Who's your pastor? Get a new pastor. I believe in once saved, always saved. That's nice. Get a new pastor. Get a new teacher. Why? Because the commander, our Lord Jesus Christ, what does He say in Luke 8? Turn to Luke 8, chapter, Luke 8, verse 13. And in Luke 8, verse 13, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while. Short-term believer, not for the long-term, not until the last dying breath. It's only for the short-term. And in time of temptation, fall away. You see? People say, oh, once saved, always saved. Where do you believe that? How do you, how do you believe that? Well, my pastor told me, get a new pastor. Once saved, always saved is a lie. The biblical model is once saved, stay saved. That's the biblical model. Once saved, stay saved. Now, you see, because people teach once saved, always saved, now they have to create now they have to twist scripture to say, okay, since once, and this is according to the false teachers, they say, since once saved, always saved is true, therefore, we have to say, uh, Hebrews is for the Jewish people, it's not for Christians. Because for Christians, once saved, always saved. You see, they have to change scripture. But when the formula is, they try to make the, the circle shape fit in the, in the triangle, it doesn't work that way. But when the formula is right, everything fits perfectly. Triangle in the triangle, circle in the circle, square in the square. But the false teachers, what they say is that, well, since once saved, always saved is true, then Hebrews, that's for the Jewish believers. That's, those are for the Jews. It's not for the Christians. But they forget. They willfully forget that in Christ, there's no Jew nor Gentile. We are all one in Christ. You see, the formula must be right. It's very important to understand these passages. And yes, it's very sobering. But then at the same time, we go back to Hebrews chapter 10. Go back to Hebrews chapter 10. And the writer here says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. The church is in trouble. So what remains? Verse 27. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment 
and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. You see how this is serious. Very serious. It's not, hey, let's have church and have a social club. Hey, let's get together, have church, and, you know, we'll study the Bible for 20 minutes, and then we'll go off and, you know, we'll play basketball, we'll do this, and we'll do that, and we'll talk politics, we'll go this and do our baking and do our sewing and do this and that. When church is a social social club, you need to jump ship. When church is a social club, you need to jump ship. Hit the eject button. Verse 25 doesn't apply to that. Because the church has forsaken themselves. They're the ones who have left and abandoned Jesus Christ. No cheek to cheekness. That's what happens when church becomes a social club. But when church, when the formula is right in the church, don't leave. Do not abandon. And that's the episunagage, the koinonia, the ecclesia. You see? Anyone who has rejected Moses' law in verse 28 dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. People say, you see, it's the Jews. It's under the law. You see, it's for the Jews only. Hold the phone there, my friend. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and trampling the Son of God underfoot, counting the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common thing. The blood of Jesus Christ is not a common thing. It is holy. It is sanctifying. It is to be cherished. Not to say, oh yeah, let's do a little crack. Let's do a little crack. You know, I'll, I'll repent tomorrow. Let's go to the strip club. I'll, you know, I'll repent tomorrow. Let's go get drunk. I'll just repent tomorrow. Let's do the Buddhas and you know do the Ouija boards. Yeah, we'll repent tomorrow. No big deal. You know what that's doing? That's that's considering the blood of the covenant a common thing. That's called taking advantage of God's grace. Do not do that. Never do that. Because when that is done. When the blood is considered a common thing, it is written here in verse 29, and insulted the Spirit of grace. It is entirely possible to grieve the Holy Spirit and insult the Holy Spirit. Do not do that. In verse 30, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord, and again the Lord will judge his people. Yes, we know that the Bible teaches the Lord will judge the world, the, the, the wrath of the Lord will fall upon the earth, but at the same time to also understand that it is written, the Lord will judge his people. A little close to home. The Lord will judge his people. In verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days. I love this. Recall the previous days. Recall the former days. Now, this letter to this writing of Hebrews was written in around 64 to 67 AD, somewhere around there. I would say probably closer to 67 AD, 64 to 67. But recall the former days, and I love this because it's to remember, have recollection for how things used to be, how the walk used to be. 
Now, 67 AD, do you know how dangerous it was to be a Christian in 67 AD? Very dangerous. I mean, it was dangerous for our Lord, you know, in around 32 AD, give or take a couple years. Around 32 AD, it was very dangerous for our Lord. It cost him his life. 67 AD, it's worse. For, it's, it's the same for Christians. The cost of being a Christian grows worse and worse and worse and worse. And never do you see the call to go to arms. Never. You see it in the Old Testament, but that's a different set of rules of engagement. We are a people of the new covenant. He says, recall the former days in which, in verse 32, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle. You endured a great fight with sufferings, which is hardship and affliction with sufferings. Remember what is written in verse 30, vengeance is mine. Those are capital M. That's the Lord's words. Vengeance is mine. The commander. Vengeance is his. Not yours. Nor mine. Vengeance is the Lord's. And this great fight, this great struggle with sufferings in verse 33, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated, to be close companions with those who were so treated. That's the ecclesia, the episunagage, the koinonia, hagios. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. You know how many Christians are in trouble at this very verse? Joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Many Christians, they would have their goods plundered and they would go and fight to arms. They would go to arms. Christians. Old Testament Warriors of the Lord, they do the plundering. New Testament, New Covenant, different rules of engagement. The saints get plundered. And it's not just the saints get plundered. In verse 34, in verse 34, they joyfully accepted it. If your goods would, would be plundered today, would you accept it? And if the answer is yes, would you accept it joyfully? And as these saints, our early brothers and sisters in Christ, they joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods as is written in verse 34, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. You see, not here. Not in this earth. These are things that the last day saints must get very comfortable with, very acclimated to, because things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, if anyone retreats, is how that translates. I hate that word. I don't like the word retreat. 
But if anyone draws back, it is written, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now you see a little different nature to this warfare. Remember verse 32. You endured a great struggle. You endured a great fight. Now, if we were looking at the old covenant, a different theater with a different rule, a different set of rules of engagement, you would think about enduring a great fight, carnally speaking, according to the flesh, because you're observing Israel according to the flesh. But now that we change theaters into the new covenant and we apply the, the rules of engagement of the new covenant, we see the same exact thing. You endured a great fight. But it is not according to the flesh. It is according to the spirit. You see? If you apply verse 25, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, which many Christians do, citing verse 25, which is a very, very beautiful verse, very important verse, but the formula must be right. And if you apply verse 25, with a carnal mindset, with carnal tools in a carnal fight, that's losing. That's not winning. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. The assembly of the saints is beautiful. But the formula must be. Remember Malachi's day? Who is there who would shut the doors? Who is there who would shut the door? Remember Malachi? Who is there who would shut the door? Do you know how hardcore that is? That means God wants the doors to be shut. Why? Not because the Lord changed his mind. It's because the people changed their heart. And it's going to be the same. And it is the same in the last days. Who is there who would shut the door? You want to teach it's okay to take the mark of the beast and still be saved? Pastor, I'm doing my air quotes. Okay, who is there who would shut the door? That is poison. There is poison in that house. Who is there who would shut those doors? You want to teach that God is done with Israel? Pastor, who is there who would shut the doors? Who in your congregation would rise up and shut the doors and not permit anybody to enter because what is being taught is poisonous? You want the body of Christ to go grave soaking, necromancy, and abomination before the Lord? Who is there who would shut the doors? Just like in Malachi's day. Who is there who would shut the doors? The Lord didn't change his mind. The people changed their heart. Look at Christians today. And when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit does not beget the fruit of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit begets the fruit of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit begets the fruit of the Spirit. Everything of the Spirit. Everything in accordance to rules of engagement according to the new covenant. People say, but wait a second, we're losing our country. Look, America's going down the tubes. We're losing our country. 
Have you not read? Turn with me to Matthew 5. In Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. This is what Jesus Christ says. You are the salt of the earth. But, but, if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? If I were to make you soup, nice bone broth flavored beautifully, you eat it and it's wonderful, you love it. But if I were to make you soup with absolutely no seasoning, it's just warm water. That's all it is. Warm water. That's not soup. What would you do? Throw it out. You don't have to eat it. Just throw it out. It's not even soup. It's just warm water. No seasoning. Jesus Christ says in verse 13, Matthew 5, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And that is what we're seeing today in these dark days, in these last days, for such a time as this. We're seeing salt that has lost its flavor. But we have to fight for our country. We have to fight. We have to fight. You cannot apply carnal rules of engagement to a spiritual fight. Because if you do, you will lose. It's the wrong formula. Go home. Go home. It's the wrong formula. Just as we studied in Deuteronomy 20. When the formula is not right among the warrior, go home. Lest you die. But we're losing our country. We have to fight. Salt has lost its flavor. It is written. It is also written. Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. It is also written. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Stop there for a moment. This isn't anybody. This isn't for just, you know, like, oh, if the world will uh, humble themselves. No, this is my people. That's what the Lord is saying. If my people who are called by them, their, my name will humble themselves. Now, let me ask you a question. Why in the world are God's people not humble? I meant for Second Chronicles 7.14 to even be written. No disrespect to the Lord because it is written. What does that say about the heart of men? And yet it is written, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Now, let me ask you another question. Why in the world, number one, why in the world are God's people not humble? And why in the world are God's people, they're not praying? And why are they not seeking his face? And the Lord continues and says, and turn from their wicked ways. Why in the world are God's people not humble, not praying, not seeking, 
And why are they wicked? That's a double, that's a quadruple whammy. That's four things. Not just the, the world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. The God's people, not humble, not praying, not seeking, and not turning from their wicked ways. That's a quadruple whammy. And when I say, you know, when you see somebody like, oh, you know, we got to fight for our rights and look, you know, they're coming again. Do not forsake the assembly of the saints. You cannot apply the, the, the carnal rules of engagement, the rules of engagement of the old to new living, living in Christ. Because remember our warning in Galatians? If you apply the old to the new, you have left Christ. It is no longer safe for you. And that's what Satan wants. Saved, Satan doesn't want you to be nice and safe abiding in Christ. And he'll use these things to seduce you away, even to the patriot. We got to fight for our rights. We got to fight for our rights, even to the patriot. Satan will seduce Seemingly a good thing. Oh, I got to fight for my country. I got to fight for my country. Look, government overreach, government overreach. Okay, now we got to go to war. We got to go to arms against them. But it is written that righteousness exalts a nation. And when the formula is right, in accordance to Second Chronicles 7.14, when the formula is right that God's people humble themselves, Pray and seek the Lord and turn from the wicked ways. That quadruple whammy now becomes zero because they've all been addressed. And when the formula is right, look at what the Lord does. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. The fact that healing isn't happening today the fact that healing isn't happening says a lot about God's people, speaks volumes about God's people, and fully, it's completely understandable to understand that salt has lost its flavor, lost its flavor. The church today, my friend, is in big trouble, serious trouble. And it is also written that judgment comes first to the house of God. So our commander, Jesus Christ, here in chapter 5 in Matthew 5, he's the one who says in verse 38, you have heard that it was said. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, not to oppose an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. This is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Impossible without the Holy Spirit. Somebody punches you on the cheek and you're going to turn and say, here, hit this one too. That's impossible without the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit, the helper, the Pericletus, entirely possible and entirely beautiful. 
If anyone wants to sue you and take you take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You see, this is different rules of engagement. In both covenants, the old covenant, what we're studying in Deuteronomy, you see the warrior class in Deuteronomy. And you see the warrior class in the new covenant. With carnal eyes, you think, wow, in the Old Testament, those were tough guys. With carnal eyes, wow, those of the new covenant, those are weaklings. But you put on spiritual eyes. With eyes to see and ears to hear. You see the warrior class of both covenants. Beautiful. Why? Mighty. Why? Because of their cheek to cheekness with the commander. The Lord. He calls the shots. He's the commander. Old covenant, obedience unto him. New covenant, obedience unto him. And what what are his orders? I mean, we have examples of disobedience in the warrior class. Worldly examples of disobedience among the warrior class. You know what that's called? Dishonorable discharge. Not good. But then you have examples of extreme obedience. Extreme discipline among the warrior class. Even in death. Listen to accounts from... Talk to veterans. Talk to veterans. Be careful too because, you know, some veterans... The veterans I know won't talk. They only talk to specific people. Be careful if, you know, asking a veteran certain things, you know. But if a veteran opens up to you, Vietnam veteran, where, you know, a hundred men have to go into a certain hot zone, talk to a Vietnam veteran. If they're willing to open up to you, they probably won't. It might be dangerous for you. But accounts in Vietnam, a hundred men go. They get the orders to go into a certain region where intelligence intelligence has revealed that probably 20 are going to return. And yet they still go. And 20 return. And the 20 that live are scarred. To this day, scarred. Some of them no arms, some of them no legs, some of them no eyes. Some of them deformities across their bodies, burns. A hundred men go in, 20 men come back. 100% of the 20 men. Scarred. Some have no legs, no arms. And yet they were obedient to orders of the commander. You see? In the same manner, we have a commander. His name is Jesus Christ. If we were a people of the old covenant, the same exact thing would be required. Close proximity, close to closeness with Jesus Christ. Remember, Moses wrote about me, he says. Proximity to the Lord, cheek to cheekness with the Lord would be required. And what are his orders? 
When the formula is right, here are his, here are his orders to go and engage in a carnal sense because that is Israel according to the flesh. Go and engage in this warfare, in this battle. You see? And yet the same thing applies to you and me today in accordance to the new covenant. In this regard, closeness to Jesus Christ, cheek-to-cheekness with Jesus Christ. And when the formula is right, now we go and engage. Do we, do we engage with the sword? Absolutely. Is it a carnal sword? No. It's the sword of the Spirit. You see? Rules of engagement in accordance to the covenant, the new covenant. These things are impossible without the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. We, the last day's church, the last day's saints, we need the Holy Spirit. And what does the Bible say? That virgins will run out of oil. You see? As the fight intensifies, the warriors will decrease. It is prophesied. These things will come to pass. Jesus Christ continues in verse 43, still in Matthew 5. He says in verse 43, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Old covenant. Old rules of engagement. Israel according to the flesh. But I say to you in verse 44, Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Oh, but we got to fight. Look, government overreach. We got to fight them. You work for the government. I'm going to beat you up. How dare you do this? I'm going to cuss you out. I'm going to lie about this. And I'm going to do this. And all I have to say is observe the flesh. Saints, seemingly of the new covenant, applying old covenant rules of engagement, the flesh. And in so doing, they are exiting Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law. It's a trap. You see how crafty Satan is? He uses these things of the flesh to seduce. Oh, but Jesus Christ will never leave us. Jesus Christ will, will not lose any of us. It is written. Absolutely. But remember the example we gave several weeks ago, several weeks ago about baby girl? Remember the, the example we gave about baby girl? Baby girl's in the house. And you say, baby girl, you stay right here. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Now, you go you tell baby girl, you follow the instructions I gave you. I'll, I'll return. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. You go. When you return, baby girl is gone. Now, did you lose her? Absolutely not. You did not lose her. In fact, you protected her with the instruction that you gave her. She was seduced. Baby girl was seduced. 
You see, baby girl was seduced to leave the safety of the house and she left and she's gone. You didn't lose her. Baby girl walked away. And that's what you're seeing happen in the last days. Christians, people who are seemingly in the new covenant. Oh, but it is written, Jesus won't lose any of us. Jesus won't lose any of us. So therefore, I have permission to do this and this. I can go ahead and lie. I can go ahead and cheat. I can go ahead and steal. I can, you know, by any means necessary, the ends justify the means. By any means, I can do this, 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 because Jesus Christ won't lose me. Number one, Jesus Christ didn't lose you. You walked away. You see? And that's what you see happening as Christians. They try to apply a fleshly, a carnal fight to a spiritual war. Observe the flesh and also observe the exit away from Jesus. You see? Don't forget, Jesus Christ says, I am the door. You see? We enter. We enter. And we enter and we stay. But some people, you remember the four categories of the last day's church? The last day's church is false, apostate, entering apostasy, or true. Now, the true, those are people who enter the door and stay. The other, the false, the apostate, and those entering apostasy are those who maybe at one time, maybe they were always false and they've never been. They've never entered the door. But both the apostate and those entering apostasy, those are ones who have entered the door and they've also exited the door. You see? Jesus Christ hasn't lost them. They lost themselves. They walked away. It's happening. You see it happening. It is very intricately spiritual. It's an attack. And Christians are asleep. The church is asleep, which is another sign of the times. Christians asleep. And Jesus Christ says, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Or you've heard that it was said in verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. This is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Do good to those who hate you. Impossible without the Holy Spirit. You see? Look at what's happening today just on the subject matter of the mask and the vaccines. Look at what is happening. Look at the church. The world is the world, but look at the church. You see people who are like hardcore vaccination. You know, oh, you got to take the mask, the, the, wear your mask and vaccines and all this. You got to do this and you don't do this. And, and you see Christians. How dare you speak to me that way? Look, I have my rights and this and that and I have my rights. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm fully, you know, I understand. And I also agree. 
But don't forget there's the denial of rights for the Christian, for the saints. There's the denial of rights. Oh, but Paul used his rights. Paul used his rights. Absolutely, he used his rights. Absolutely, 100%. But don't forget, in so doing, it cost him his head. He knew the cost. Remember, he appealed to Caesar. He appeals to Caesar, understanding his rights, and everybody thought he was crazy. They, We were going to let him go. We were going to let him go, but since he appeals to Caesar, now we have to send him to Caesar. Paul knew. He counted the cost. People today want to use their rights. Oh, I want to use my rights. I got to use my rights. I got rights over here. I got rights over there for the betterment of their life, which is understandable. And yet they cite Paul. Oh, but Paul used his rights. Paul used his rights. Absolutely. Which led to his death. For his betterment in the life to come. Not in this life. But I say to you, he says in verse 44, love your enemies. Now, understand that we love God and love people. You have the Episcopal and the uh, modern day uh, uh, Methodists and Lutherans. They, they love people first and love God next. That's the wrong formula. Oh, you want to do this? Okay, that's fine. No big deal. Look, we have our transgender pastors. Look, it's love. No, love God first. And then love people. See? If you're Episcopal, if you're Lutheran, if you're Methodist, I love you. But you got to jump ship. Oh, but I've been going to church here my whole life. That's nice. They've left Christ. If they were ever in Christ, they left Christ. That ship is sinking. There's only one ark that saves. His name is Jesus Christ. You need to jump ship. You see? If you're transgender, homosexual, you know, whatever, and, you know, alcoholic, drunkard, you know, drug, whatever, the occult. I love you. And I don't want you to perish. I don't want you to burn in hell. And anybody who is outside of Christ, that's, that's where they'll go. Jesus Christ is the only way. And I don't want that for anybody. Repent, 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 repent. I love you. Transgender, homosexual, lesbian, you know, the, you know, drunkard, alcoholic, druggy, what, meth. I love you. You come to Christ. You believe in Jesus Christ. You hit pause and you listen to the message of how to commit your life to Jesus Christ and you commit your life to Jesus Christ right here, right now. Because if you die without him, straight up, I can't candy coat. If you die without Christ, if anybody dies without Christ, you will burn in hell. People say, oh, how could a loving God do that? That's Satan who's dragging you to hell. You see? It's spiritual. Satan knows exactly where he's going. And he wants to drag people with him. 
and yet God sent his son. Not that anyone should perish, but that those who believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's what I want for you. Why? Because that's what my master wants for you. That's what my commander wants for you. And for Christians in verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Whoa, this is impossible without the Holy Spirit. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun shine, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, What reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not not even the tax collectors do so? If you love those who just love you. That's easy. Yeah, I like this guy. He's nice to me. He blesses me like this. Okay, so I'm going to bless him back. It's a piece of cake. You do that to the one who hates you? You do that to the one who curses you? You do that to the one who persecutes you? And insincerity of heart. That's that's a different ballgame. That's the warrior class of the new covenant. And if the formula is wrong, stay home. Just like we studied on Wednesday. If the formula is wrong, stay home. Stay home. Read the Bible. Be equipped. Be trained up. Today, don't fight. Tomorrow, it depends on how you grow and mature in Christ. It is written here in verse 48. Therefore, you shall be perfect or complete or of full age. It's to mature, to grow and mature. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. You see? We have to understand these things because the last day's church is in trouble. The last day's saint is in trouble. I mean, just what we cited in Hebrews 10 and Hebrews 6 and Luke 9. And here we are in Matthew 5. Everything that we're citing, the church is in trouble. Why? Because we're trying to apply carnal rules of engagement. And this cannot be done now that the seed is here. Remember our study through Galatians? And yet you see the seduction. You see the seduction. Oh, but we're of the elect. We're of the elect. We're predestined for heaven. That is, that's what's being written to, or what is being said today. Oh, I'm of the elect, so therefore I'm good to go. But the Bible teaches that though, that No flesh would be saved, even the elect, unless those days be shortened. The Lord knows that people will run out of oil. Saints will run out of oil. He knows it. And yet the Bible teaches that no flesh would be saved unless those days be shortened, even among the elect. Turn with me really quick to Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, we see this. 
If you've been walking with us for a while, this is a little refresher course because we've studied Matthew. And here in Matthew 28, verse 19, go. Go. The Lord gives the, the green light to the, his warriors. Go, therefore, and make disciples, not converts. Make disciples. You see, remember discipline? Highly disciplined. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You see, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You remember our study in the book of Acts? We see how the Holy Spirit falls on people and how, you know, in some cases the Holy Spirit falls on people. In some cases the Holy Spirit doesn't fall on people. Now, why doesn't the Holy Spirit fall? Well, sometimes the Holy Spirit comes on people through laying on of hands. Peter, Paul, the laying on of hands. Have you ever had a person pray for you where it's just different than somebody else? It's different from the majority. When when somebody prays for you, it's just different. Or what about when somebody lays hands on you? It's just different. I remember a time I was with my friend. He had a, 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 a bum shoulder. It was severely painful for him. And some elders in a fellowship, not in America, but some elders in a fellowship, they saw him grimace as he was like moving his shoulders and rotating his arm. And they said, what's wrong? He says, oh, my shoulders, my shoulders hurting. It's in pain. And this is a guy who's seen the doctors. And all of a sudden, three men came. You know, they called, you know, gathered around him. They laid hand, they put their hands on him. And they said, okay, we're going to pray. Everybody closed their eyes. We all closed our eyes. And these three men, they had their hands on his shoulder and they prayed. And I could hear audibly with my ears, I could hear popping. Now, my friend, he wasn't like moving. They weren't like, you know, massaging him. It wasn't like a chiropractic adjustment. I'm no fan of chiropractor either, chiropractics. Listen, read about the history of chiropractics and how it's like medicine from another world. Just saying, just saying. But they weren't doing like an adjustment. They weren't massaging his shoulder. They just laid hands on him. And as they were praying, I could hear the popping. Bones popping, pop, 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 pop. Things were like, It was supernatural. They said, amen. We all opened our eyes. And this is my friend who's been to doctors and was still no healing. And all of a sudden he was healed. His shoulder was healed. These different guys. These three men who laid hands on my friend. They're different. There's a a multitude of Christians, but these three men are just different. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit not falling on, you know, when uh, Philip the evangelist, people come to Christ, they believe in Jesus. Peter and John come to town and they perceive that the Holy Spirit had not fallen on them. And what do they do? John, uh, Peter lays hands on them. And the Holy Spirit falls on them. They believe in Jesus Christ. How can they believe in Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit? 
See, some people teach, some people believe that you can't believe in Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit compels you to believe in Jesus Christ. That's Calvinism. When you hear that, that's Calvinism and Reformed theory, which is wrong. If you're Calvinist or Reformed, I love you. But your teachers are starting to teach that it's okay to take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved, which is a lie from the pit of hell. Listen to our study through Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. You'll understand more. And I say to you, jump ship. Because that ship is sinking. And that ship will be judged. See? People, Philip, the evangelist, people believe in Jesus Christ and they hadn't yet had the Holy Spirit. Peter comes, John, and they lay, Peter lays hands and the Holy Spirit falls on all of them except for one. Why? There was wickedness in his heart. But he believed in Jesus Christ. He was among them. With carnal eyes, you see, wow, look, a group of Christians. Wow, look, a group of Christians. Believers in Jesus Christ, look. With carnal eyes, yeah. They all believe in Jesus. But with spiritual eyes, like Peter, who perceived that the Holy Spirit had not fallen on them, lays hands, they receive the Holy Spirit. And yet the Holy Spirit skipped over one. Wickedness in his heart. Another Simon. You see? People say, oh, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the moving of the Holy Spirit, that was for 2,000 years ago. That was for another dispensation. It is not for today. And these are the very same people that we're starting to see them run out of oil. That We haven't even started. We're not even in the 70th week of Daniel. It hasn't even started yet. The final seven years of world history, prophetically speaking, has not yet started. And yet we're already seeing saints run out of oil. And it's going to get worse. You're seeing saints running on fumes. Almost out of oil. Which is why you hear us say from time to time, store your oil. It's going to get darker and darker and darker and darker. And when you have oil and you have eyes to see and ears to hear and the formula is right. And you're in the fellowship where the formula is right. If the formula is wrong, jump ship, leave. If the formula is right, stay. That's the warrior class. You see, the formula is wrong in your heart, go home, study. Not the fight. Don't be in the fight today, but tomorrow, that's between you and the Lord. If your heart is right with Him and the formula is right in you, now, when the formula is right in you, that's denial. That's presenting your body a living sacrifice to him. And he cleans house. You and me laying aside those things which so easily ensnare us. Moving on to perfection. Moving on to completeness. Putting aside the elementary things. You see? Maturing in Christ. And when these Orders are given by the commander to, in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. You see, these aren't hypocrites. 
These are people who have applied the things that they were taught in their life. They're disciples of Jesus Christ and they applied the teachings of Jesus Christ in their life and to their life. And now their warrior class, now they get marching orders. And what are the orders? Go and make disciples. And what is the command teaching them to observe? Amen. To, 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 to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then teach to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with and, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. See? Do you remember, if you've been walking with us for a while, do you remember our study in the book of Acts? And how many times do you hear a sight or have you heard a sight about the defensive posture of the Christian, the defensive posture of the church, the defensive posture of the messengers, the vessels of the Lord. But then we also make mention of the beauty of the offensive posture to go on offense. And what does this look like to go on offense? Let us observe Turn to Acts 19. Acts 19. And we see here in Acts 19, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. The very book that we're studying, this letter that Paul wrote to the saints in Ephesus, and here Paul is in Ephesus, he says, and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? You see, disciples, disciples, believers in Jesus. And yet Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? So you have a picture of disciples, believers in Jesus Christ, disciples of Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. To my reformed and Calvinist friends whom I love. Your theories are wrong. It is possible to believe Jesus Christ, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. Get a new pastor. Get a new teacher. Jump ship because that ship is sinking. Oh, but don't don't forsake the assembly of the saints. You see? Don't forsake the assembly of the saints. The formula of the saint must be right. And the formula of your theory is wrong. My Calvinist and Reformed friends, I love you, but jump ship. There is a better way. Paul says to these believers in Jesus, Paul says to these disciples of Jesus, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Very interesting. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism, water baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So you put a little check mark next to those disciples, those believers in Jesus Christ. Okay, good to go. They got it. You know, they, they, they believe in Jesus Christ. They're, the baptism of John, the baptism of repentance. Repentance, repentance, repentance. 
Check mark. Okay, good to go. And then when they heard this in verse 5, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. You have believers in Jesus, disciples of Jesus, without the Holy Spirit. And now a vessel, Paul, lays hands on them. Just like Peter lays hands. Paul lays hands. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. You see? These are holy people. These vessels that the Lord uses, such as Paul and Peter, James, John, Titus, Timothy, very special people. And the Lord has these people across generations to teach, to pastor, to lead, to shepherd, to righteousness. Oh, but that was for 2,000 years ago. That's not for today. Empty lamps is what you see. Empty lamps. Observe the flesh. Now the men were about 12 in all, and he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Notice, this is offense. This is offense. We see the defensive posture of the Christian, which is absolutely necessary, absolutely beautiful. But we also see the offensive posture when the formula is right, when people who are on the front lines of this spiritual warfare, and when you see what happens when when these saints such as this go on offense, look what happens. But when some were hardened and did not believe but spoke evil of the way, that's what happens. Opposition. Look what happens. Some did not believe. They were hardened, did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. You see, withdrew the disciples. Where do you see a carnal fight? Where do you see these saints? Oh, you're going to oppose us? No, you know, we're going we're gonna to beat you up. Come on, let's take this outside. And the winner is victorious. You don't see the carnal fight. But with spiritual eyes, you see a fight. With eyes to see, with ears to hear, you see a fight. You hear about it. We study it. And this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jew and Greeks. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Remember, he's a different animal. He's a different, not like the average bear. Remember, we said that in our study in the book of Acts. And God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them just from a handkerchief. That's why you see you turn on TBN, Tricking Believers Nightly, and you see these false teachers, false pastors. You see these false prophets. They'll, they'll have a handkerchief in their hand, and they'll wave it at the audience, and the audience will fall over. It's theatrics. They're making a mockery of the Holy Spirit. But yet, biblically, 
the Lord performed these unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. In verse 13, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Remember, the formula must be right. These exorcists who took it upon themselves, they engage in a spiritual fight. They attempt to be on the front lines of a spiritual fight. But because the formula wasn't right in them, they lost. Remember, the model is that the Lord does the work in you first. In you first. And it's so powerful because we have that concept of going home. It's not to go home and watch TV and play video games. It's to go home and study the scriptures, be a Berean. That the Lord can do the work in you, inside your heart, inside your mind. Deep down to the marrow. And when the Lord does the work in you, then the Lord can do the work through you. But these exorcists who took it upon themselves, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. The formula wasn't right. They didn't follow that model. They wanted to go straight to through. Instead of in and through, they wanted to go straight to through. That's not the formula. That's not the model. Now look in verse 14. Also, there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? You see? But who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. A lot of Christians today are naked and wounded. Why? Naked? They have no covering. They have no covering. Wounded because they attempt to be in a fight, in a spiritual fight. They attempt to be on the front lines on the spiritual battlefield. But because the formula is wrong... They lose the fight. And then you see people tossed to and fro by all kinds of winds of doctrine. They say, wait a second. I'm losing this fight. I'm losing this fight. What do I do? What do I do? I'm going to read this New York Times bestseller. I'm going to read Crazy Love. I'm going to apply the teachings of Crazy Love. Instead of reading the Bible and yielding to Jesus, the real Jesus, whose word is above his name, Instead of yielding to the Spirit, the real Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm going to pick up the New York Times bestseller and I'm going to read this book about crazy love and therefore such person becomes crazy. You see, the formula must be right. Oh, I'm going to read my coalition books. Seduction away from the Word of God. It's a trap. Observe the flesh. Observe the carnal. Oh, I got to fight for my rights. Look, I got to fight this. I got to fight this. I got to fight and fight and fight. And everything's carnal. I'm going to join these coalitions. I'm going to join with the Catholics. I'm going to join with the Muslims. I'm going to join with the Buddhists. And we're houses of worship. And all oh, the government shall not for Look, it is written, don't forsake the assembly of the saints. You're forsaking yourself. Christians are forsaking themselves. 
It is happening. Oh, but Jesus won't lose us. No, baby girl walked away, remember? They're walking away. The apostate and those entering apostasy, those are people who entered the door and have left the door. You see? Attempting to be justified by the works of the law. And that cannot be done. And when that happens, such a person is now under the law. And in the law is death. Stakes are high. Stakes are high. Every single saint must come to terms with the reality of the truth of Holy Scripture. And that is what is so beautiful about the tribulation of the last days. Because people will be forced to come to terms with what they thought was true. Oh, I believe in pre-tribulation rapture. I believe in pre-tribulation rapture. What happens when the peace agreement happens? Now a pre-tribulation rapture person is going to have to come to grips with the reality of the scene and understand that, wait a second, I was wrong. Oh, my pastor says I can take the mark of the beast. I'll still be saved. The Bible says that, you know, uh, uh, that, that you'll go to hell. But, you know, this, this guy went to a seminary. He knows what he's talking about. When the mark of the beast arrives, people are going to have to come to grips, come to terms and choose wisely. The apostasy, the falling away will be great in the last days. But I speak to the remnant. I'm not called to teach the dead. I'm called to teach the living. Now you see these warriors. These warriors in the book of Acts 19 on offense. And these people where the formula wasn't right, these exorcists who took it upon themselves, now they're naked and wounded, just like you see many Christians today, naked and wounded. Why? The formula was wrong. People say, oh, I believe in Jesus Christ, and they immediately want to do through. Sometimes they don't even believe in Jesus Christ, and they immediately want to do through. I want the Lord to do this work through me, so therefore I'm going to do this. Or sometimes they believe in Jesus Christ and they obey Jesus Christ, but it's a different Jesus. Oh, I obey Jesus Christ and he wants me to go grave soaking. The spirit of the Lord wants me to go grave soaking. That's a different spirit. You're seduced. That's satanic. How come I have no victory? How come I have no victory? There's only victory in the real Jesus. There's only healing in the real Jesus. Remember, we're, we're studying spiritual warfare. Combat in accordance to the rules of engagement of the new covenant, not the old. In verse 17, this became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Not Paul. The name of Paul wasn't magnified. Oh, look, his handkerchief can do these things. 
No, the name of the Lord Jesus. He was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who were who had practiced magic brought their books together and, and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. That's a lot of money. And they burned it all. Why? Because the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified and fear fell upon the land. That's revival. This is what revival looks like. People say, oh, there's spiritual revival. We got revival over here, revival over here. And don't mind it. The sex over here, don't mind that. The alcoholics, the drugs over here, don't mind that. We got revival. That ain't revival. Biblical revival? Real revival? Look at those who practice magic. They burned it all. Up to 50,000 pieces of silver. That's the, the annual wages. The annual wages of 200 men. That's a lot of money. That's today. I mean, you take the average, you take the average salary, multiply that by 200. That's what the value of those books were. Oh, but we could look, we could have sold those books. We could have put them in eBay and made so much money. No, it's satanic. Burn it. Verse 20, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. You see, this is what offense looks like. This is spiritual warfare. We're studying it right now, Acts 19. We're looking at it. We're studying it. This is when the formula is right in the warrior class. When the formula is right among the warriors, this is what this is what the battlefield looks like. This is what victory looks like. <laughs> In, 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 in verse 17, victory, fear. Fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. What does victory look like? The word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. That's revival. The magic books being burned in the fire. Historically, you know, you look at like the Jesus people movement. When people would park on the freeway, the parking lots would be so full. Surrounding areas would be so full that people would park on the freeways. Southern California, the I-5 freeway, people would park on the freeway just so that they can run across the field and get inside the tent or wherever the gospel was being, wherever the word was being taught. Arguably one of the, the last revivals. Not the fake, not the phony. The Jesus people movement. Quite possibly the last revival. That's when strip clubs were closing down, bars were closing down, liquor stores were closing down. Why? There was no market. There was the supply, but there was no demand. Why? Because people were coming to Christ. You see? Today, strippers make a lot of money. Nice houses, nice cars, they pay cash. A lot of demand. But where there's spiritual revival, they go out of business. There's no demand. And so the supply goes away. That's revival. You see the fruit of revival. Not the fake. You see like, you know, the holy laughter, what they call holy laughter. 
You want to put glitter in the rafters and have the glitter fall down and you call that a revival of the Holy Spirit? That's an abomination. Those are the grave soakers. These are things which are being exposed. And they're going to be exposed even more and more as we get further into the events of the last days. And what are you going to see? Those who are in such fellowships. Oh, the assembly of the saints. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And what are you going to see? You're going to see separate camps. And where the formula is right, you're going to see them covered and victorious in Christ. And when the formula is wrong in a fellowship where the formula is wrong, the pastor, the formula is not wrong and the pastor, the, for, the, the formula is wrong and the pastor, the formula is not right in the teacher, you're going to see naked and wounded, no covering, no victory. And these are people who will have to make a serious choice. I was deceived. I should have never gone grave soaking. I repent. I should have never had a study Bible. The guy says, I take the mark of the beast. I'll still be saved. I should have never bought into that. I repent. Once saved, always saved. I should have never bought into that. I repent. Money preacher, I should have never bought into that. I repent. God's done with Israel. The promise comes to the church. I should have never believed in that. I repent. What do you see in Revelation 2 and 3? Jesus Christ says to the churches, repent, 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 repent. You see? But when saints, warriors go on offense, this is what we see happening. In verse 21, still in Acts 19. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit. When he passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he went into Macedonia, two of, uh, two of those. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus. You see, this holy bubble of Paul sends Timothy and Erastus. Beautiful. I love this. He says, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. And about that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. About that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. Remember, you see the warrior class on offense. And in offense, there's always opposition. Now we see what the opposition for a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, who is, you know, Artemis, the fertility goddess, that one of the many sex gods, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the work. This is, this is Demetrius, the, the silversmith. He called in verse 25. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. They were making a lot of money. By selling and providing these supplies for the purpose of Diana, Artemis, the fertility goddess, one of many sex gods. He says in verse 26, moreover, you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul, this Paul, who is this Paul? A warrior. This Paul has persuaded and turned away many people. Remember, Paul's on offense. 
saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is so not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. Now when they heard this, they were all full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. You see, this spiritual warfare, Paul on offense and those with him, this holy bubble. Look at what's happening. In verse 17, fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. In verse 20, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. In verse 23, there arose a great commotion about the way and then boom, all of a sudden, offense. It's the increase of the opposition against Paul and the saints. Great is Diana of the Ephesians! Exclamation point. So the whole city was filled with confusion. Remember, God is not the author of confusion. Satan. You see confusion? Look, that's that's the handiwork of Satan. So the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. And when Paul wanted to go into the people, the disciples would not allow him. Then some of the officials of Asia who were with who were, who were his friends sent to him, pleading that he would not venture into the theater. Now fast forward to the end of verse 34. We see, great is Diana of the Ephesians. See this opposition against these warriors, the warrior class, Paul and this holy bubble. And the Lord was, was they were victorious in the Lord. The word of the Lord grew and there rose a great commotion about the way. Now, fast forward to chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, verse 1. After the uproar had ceased, Paul had Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to go into Macedonia. Now, the question I pose to you: Where do we see a carnal fight? Where do we see a fight according to the flesh? I'll give you the answer. Nowhere. Nowhere. It is not to be found. It is found in the Old Covenant under those rules of engagement. But in the New Covenant, with our rules of engagement, same commander, whom we're cheek to cheek with, you don't see the carnal fight in the warrior class. And yet you see these Mighty, mighty warriors. You see? In Christ and warriors for Christ. Can you see? I know this is abrasive to many listeners because I teach from America. And yes, you know, America has been my homeland. But as we get further in the last days, these are things that we're going to have to come to terms with. I don't care if you're in China, Russia, South America, Central America, Arab countries, you know, the Middle East, wherever. Where is our citizenship? It's not of this world. It is not of this world which will fade and is fading. 
Turn with me again to Luke, the book of Luke. Book of Luke, chapter 22. Luke 22. In verse 49, this is when Jesus was being arrested before his crucifixion. In verse 49, Luke 22, when those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? Shall we fight carnally? Shall we fight according to the flesh? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Other gospels reveals this is Peter. Other gospels also reveal that Peter, that the Lord says to Peter, Jesus Christ, the commander of the armies of heaven, our commanding officer, Jesus Christ. In accordance to the new covenant. He says to Peter, Peter, put away your sword. Those who live by the sword will also die by the sword. These are things that the last day saints are going to have to understand. If you want safety, we're going to do some uh, prophecy updates. And if you want safety in the last days, the road, the path is very narrow. Very narrow. There is no safety outside of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, don't you know that those who live by the sword will also die by the sword? In verse 51, but Jesus answered and said, permit even this. You know how this translates? Permit even this. It translates as suffer even in such manner. Jesus Christ doesn't lead from the rear. He leads from the front. And we follow his example. Permit even this, suffer even in such manner. The last day saints will definitely experience tribulation. The church age, my beautiful friend, the church age is coming to a close. Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. In verse 52, then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains of the temple and the elders who had come to him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not even, you did not try to seize me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. You see? The power of darkness. It's going to be dark in the last days. And it is prophesied that Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, they will given they will be given authority to prevail against the saints. It is their hour and the power of darkness. This will come to pass. 
What is the, what is the condition of the warrior under the rules of engagement of the new covenant? What is the mindset of the warrior class? Open up, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, a little refresher course because we've, we just finished our study several, you know, months ago. Through 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, that's you and me, we walk in the flesh. I mean, you know, carnally speaking, I mean, you go to the grocery store, you go through, walk through the park, you go to work, you, you're, you, you walk in the flesh. But verse 3, we do not war according to the flesh. That's what you see in Acts 19. The warrior class. It is not according to the flesh. It is not according to the carnal nature. For our, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, there is internal application to bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. There is internal application for you and me to be obedient to Jesus Christ in our minds. But there is also external application. Have you ever had conversations with atheists? Satanists even? To have a conversation with a Satanist who hates God, hates Jesus, but in the course of the conversation realizes that they were focusing their anger and their hatred on a different Jesus, one that is not according to the Bible. A Satanist who's like very confrontational at first, very confrontational, maybe even up in your face, and they want to fight, they want. How dare you come at me with this Jesus? You know what? If you don't stop, I'm going to stab you. If you don't stop, look, I'm going to take this knife. I'm going to put it in your neck. And you're not, you refuse to fight according to the flesh. You lift up your chin. Look, here it is. Go deep. I don't want it. Let's talk. Let us reason together. I don't hate you. I don't want to fight you. And when we understand the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but yet that our weapons are mighty for pulling down strongholds and casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and to talk to a Satanist, and in the course of a conversation for the Satanist to say, I've never spoken to a Christian like you. I have never in my life. I thought I hated God. And I've never spoken to a Christian like you. 
and for this Satanist to in one moment want to stab you in the neck and in the course of a conversation to realize that they base their hatred on something fake. The fake Jesus. They, they base their hatred on something real that they experienced, but it was a different Jesus that they, they experienced by Christians. Assuming, you know, assumed Christians. Christians who are abiding in a different Jesus and those different Jesus, they don't save. They're false Christs. And this Satanist basing their decision to hate Jesus and hate God based on their experience of these people who were abiding in a fake Jesus. And to tell a Satanist, you know, you have a major decision to make, my friend. Because this major decision that has implications in this life and the life to come. You're basing your decision on something that you experienced, but what you experienced is not the real Jesus. And for, my, for a Satanist, to one minute want to put a knife in your throat, and the next minute is like thanking you. See? That's the weapons of our warfare. In accordance to the law, under those rules of engagement, somebody says, hey, I'm going to put a knife in your throat. Okay, rip his throat out. You see? That's according to the flesh. I'm going to put this knife in your neck. Boom, broken neck, two seconds. And according to the spirit, lay down your arms. Different weapons. The weapons of our warfare in verse 4 are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down. Not mighty in God, period. There's a purpose for pulling down strongholds. You know, the, the stronghold that Satan has in Satanists, those who he thinks are his, do you know what those strongholds look like that Satan has on the atheist? That Satan has on the agnostic? That Satan has on the Buddhists? The Catholics? The Krishnas? Those are, those are major strongholds. When you stand with the Lord and the formula is right, that's powerful. That's powerful. Remember Deuteronomy 20 when the Lord is, do not fear, I'm with you. When these armies are more numerous, they got the chariots, they got the horses, they got the numbers. And the Lord says, don't fear. And yet the weapons of our warfare, which are not, are not according to the flesh, if they're not according to the flesh, how do we fight? You see? 
different set of weapons. Different rules of engagement than that of Deuteronomy. Same Lord, same commander. Different theaters. You see? It's hardcore. Turn with me really quick to Matthew chapter 10. And in Matthew 10, we see this. Verse 16. Jesus Christ, the commander of the armies of heaven and the commander of us, says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that, in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. See? Just like we saw in Deuteronomy 20. When the formula is right in you, you see the chariots, you see the horses, you see their numbers. Do not be afraid. The same commander is saying the same thing to us today. Different theater, different rules of engagement, but yet the same thing. Do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. You see? Verse 21, now brother will deliver up brother to death. So much for family. Everybody says, oh, family is everything. Family is everything. In this, I agree. Family is everything when it's a different family. Heirs of Abraham. That family is everything. That family is worth dying for. And that is the family which I not just advocate that I live for. Heirs of Abraham. You and me abiding in Christ. You see? Biologically speaking, your biological relatives, your biological family, prophetically speaking, they're going to kill you. Verse 21, now brother will deliver up brother. Not, you know, to go play in the park. Not brother will deliver up brother to go to Disneyland. No, brother, it is written, brother will deliver up brother to death. And it doesn't end there. And a father, his child. So much for family. So much for biological family. Brother wants to kill you. Father wants to kill you. And children will rise up against parents. So much for family. And cause them to be put to death. So many times people say, oh, family's everything, family's everything. I've been called a homewrecker. Look, you're dividing my family, you're dividing my family. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. He causes division. People make a choice to honor the Lord or to to acknowledge the Lord or not acknowledge the Lord. You acknowledge the Lord, boom, you have a big target on your back. 
Not just on your back, on your forehead, on your chest, on your legs, everything. People have this, they romanticize warfare. They romanticize combat. Go to the VA hospital. Go to the psych ward. And I guarantee you, you will no longer romanticize warfare. Go to the VA hospital in the psych ward and you'll see, you'll understand. These are people who are damaged from warfare. Do not romanticize warfare. Of the carnal. Prophetically speaking, the world will no longer learn war one day. One day the world will no longer learn war. But it is not today. There is a time, there is a season for everything. Everything under heaven. And all of scripture will be fulfilled, must be fulfilled. In verse 22, Matthew 10, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Not because of any other reason, only because of Jesus Christ. Even among, the world is the world, Corinth is Corinth. You know, we expect that wherever we go in this world. But even when it's close to home, even when it's in the same home, among family, biological family, spiritual family, that's worth dying for. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities, through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. Fast forward to verse 27. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You see? Do not fear. Old Testament, warrior class, same commander, different rules of engagement. Do not fear. Theater of the New Covenant today, now that the seed has come, the same commander, different rules of engagement in accordance to the New Covenant. What does he say? Do not fear. Only fear the Lord. Verse 32, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take take his cross and follow after me 
is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Rules of engagement. You see? That's hardcore. There's no other way to live. Now when we have this understanding, spiritual warfare, not according to the flesh like we study in Deuteronomy, but in accordance to the Spirit. Let us turn to Ephesians chapter 6 now. And in Ephesians chapter 6, we begin our study. Verse 10. Brother Paul, writing to the saints saints in Ephesus, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You see? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. This translates as, but against powers and against powerful powers. It's like, you know, like against, you know, powerful force, but then also even more powerful force. That's how it translates. And that's what we wrestle against. But it's spiritual. Look at Paul in Ephesus, what we looked at in Acts 19. That was Paul in Ephesus. And then you fast forward several years later, and then you have this letter to the Ephesian saints. Do you know what it was like to be as a Christian in Ephesus? To be a Christian in Ephesus, let me tell you. They had their promenades. And to mock the Christians, they have a sign in the promenade, Caesar, son of God. You want to go enter the shopping square at night? Okay, we'll, we'll light it up. We'll, we'll, instead of it being pitch black, we'll light it up. So you have, you know, nice little light poles, light posts. You know what the light posts were? Christians, Christians, saints, brothers, sisters, young, old, Christians. Those were the street posts. Hung, nailed. Sometimes like a kebab. Our brothers, our sisters. And lit on fire. That's what it was to be a Christian in Ephesus, where the cost was high. People forget. You're caught by a Roman soldier. You're found out. You're discovered to be a Christian. You're discovered to have a home fellowship. They catch you. They put a sword to your neck. Who is Lord? You say Caesar is Lord. You get to live. Denial of Christ. Oh, no, no big deal. His blood is nothing. No big deal. What does the Bible say when the blood of our Lord is considered to be nothing? That's dangerous business. That's when people who partake of the Holy Spirit, now all of a sudden the whole, they, 
it is impossible to restore them. What we read in Hebrews 10, Hebrews 6, denial of Jesus Christ. And they say, who is Lord? You say, Caesar's Lord. You get to live, go home. Everything's fine and dandy. Spiritually speaking, in the life to come, everything's not fine and dandy. You say, Jesus is Lord. They either kill you or they capture you. And when they capture you, they put you in the games. They arrest you because, you know, Caesar is Lord. And the people say, oh, we have tyrannical government, tyrannical government. They have no idea what tyrannical government is. They have no idea not to be under the thumb of Rome, to be under the fist of Rome. They have no idea. Christians today, oh, government tyranny, government tyranny. You have no idea what government tyranny is. And look at the early church, our early brothers and sisters under the fist of Rome. You say Jesus is Lord, they put the sword right in your neck. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Beautiful in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Your last breath on earth is your first breath in eternity, in paradise. You say Jesus is Lord, they either kill you right there on the spot or they arrest you to go to the games. And if you're a female, they would rape you. Not just once, not just twice, multiple times. If you're a young girl, they would rape you. They did the same to the boys, making the men watch. In, in, the, in, in, the, in, in the Colosseums, in their arenas. That's the fist of Rome that the early church, our brothers and sisters were under. Or they used to have contests. The longest skin and they would peel the skin of Christians. And the one who had the longest skin would win rewards. And they would skin Christians alive. This happened mostly to the adults because they were taller. Starting at the very top of the head. And when I say skin, it's not like you get a cut on you and you have a little fold of skin. No, this is like, like an orange peel, thicker than an orange peel. Starting at the head. They would cut, cut, cut down the face, neck, chest, torso, hips, thighs, arms. And the one with the longest peel, the longest piece of flesh, they would win, win rewards. That's what they did to the early church. They would burn them, torch them, boil them. Because it's denial of Caesar as Lord. People talk about, oh, government tyranny, government persecution. Whew. This is nothing. This is, this is not even a walk in the park. This is like, this is, this is like skipping through the, 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 the flower patch. This is nothing. It's going to get much worse. I'm just the messenger. Jesus says that. The last days will be much worse. Unlike anything we've ever seen. That's the Ephesian saints. 
where the cost of being a Christian was heavy. And yet Paul is saying, remember, all these exhortations to be wise. And yet Paul is saying to our beautiful brothers and sisters, put on the whole armor of God in verse 11, Ephesians 6, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil or the methods and the schemings and the trickery of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Remember, that's powers and like powerful powers. Against the rulers of darkness, of this, of the darkness of this age, or the shadows of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is war. This is the spiritual war, which must never be fought carnally. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. To gird your waist, it's like, you know, if you wear like a long robe and, you know, you have a long robe and sometimes it's difficult to run. It might be tight at the legs, you know, so it might be difficult to run. So what they would do is they reach down to get the backside. Like you reach, reach down the front and you grab the backside of the robe and you lift it up and you tuck it in your belt. And so instead of having like a long robe or like if you're female and you have a dress, like a long dress and, you know, maybe it's tight at the leg, at the, like the, at the, at the, at the, the shins. And so it's difficult to run. You don't have that range of motion. So you take it like the backside, you lift it up and toward the front and then you tuck that front piece under your belt and now instead of having a long dress or a long robe now you have like a, a pair of shorts where you have easy range of motion and that's how it is to gird your waist and paul is saying here in verse 14 stand therefore having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness notice he's not saying you know like Go to the gym, lift weights so that you can, you know, lift up a, lift a a hundred pound sword. He's not saying, you know, uh, learn this, you learn how to, uh, you know, uh, fire this, you know, this fully automatic weapon. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You see? And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Notice this battle gear. Notice the battle gear in verse 14, truth, righteousness. Verse 15, the gospel. Verse 16, faith. Verse 17, salvation, the spirit, the word of God. You see? Oh, but this group of people, they're coming against us. Go on offense. There's fish. That's where the fish are. Oh, but look, darkness is around us. Turn on the light. Do you have oil for your lamp? That's where the fish are. We have these weapons of warfare, but don't forget the fishing pole. Even Satanists can come to Christ. 
Buddhists can come to Christ. The utmost of wisdom is required for these last days. Because in the last days, the Buddhists will also chop your head off. As we get further in the events of the last days, you don't take the mark of the beast. Some people in the Reformed and Calvinist camp say it's okay, you'll still be saved. The Bible says you're going to burn in hell, but he says if you don't, the Bible also says you don't take the mark of the beast. The Antichrist is going to have you beheaded. And the world will love it. The world will adore him. The world will love that. Oh, these people aren't tolerant. They're against this agenda of the Antichrist who's come to bring peace. You don't want to take the mark of the beast? Okay, we're going to throw you in jail. And in jail, you might last a couple days, but ultimately, we're going to chop off your head. Oh, but pastors today say it's okay to take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. That's what they teach. That's what they teach. It's not what the Bible teaches. Never take the mark of the beast. Never, even when it costs you your head, never take the mark of the beast. Because the Bible says it won't just cost your head, it will cost your soul. Much wisdom. Much, much wisdom. The path is ultra narrow. As we get further in the last days, the Satan, who knows his time is short, he knows his time is short. He's going to amp up his attacks. And it's already happening. You're already seeing the seduction of Christians who are running out of oil or who are out of oil. Oh, we're under government tyranny, government tyranny. You have no... Now, some listeners... Some listeners know exactly what real government tyranny is. The kind where, you know, it's against the law to be a Christian and they kill you. You know what government tyranny is. But I teach from America. And currently in these Western lands, Christians have no idea what government tyranny looks like. Especially considering the saints in Ephesus under Roman tyranny. And yet, what is the instruction? What does Paul, what does Paul pour into these saints? The weapons of war, the battle gear of the saint. In verse 18, not just the battle gear, but now the battle behavior, the behavior of the warrior class, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful, which is to be sleepless. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me. I love this. And for me, this is Paul, the one who pours into them. And for me, he says, that utterance logos may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. I love this so much. You know why? Because we've seen the boldness of Paul. We've studied the boldness of Paul. We read the boldness of Paul. We see the work of his hands, his feet, the writing of his words, which is from the Lord. It's the Lord in him. You see his boldness. And he says to the saints, pray for me. Pray for me that I may be bold, that I make known the the mystery of the gospel. That's what he says in verse 19. 
Behold, the Lord who answers the prayers of his saints. You see? You see the boldness of Paul. But what you don't see are the prayers of the saints. And Paul says, pray for me that I may be bold. He's bold. It's like, wow, the Lord answered his, uh, answered the prayers of the saints. Even in the face of persecution, heavy persecution in Ephesus, where the path was also narrow. You see? You see how the Lord responds? Saints in Ephesus pray. Pray for one another. Pray for Paul that he's bold. You see the boldness of Paul. You see the Lord is responding to the prayers of the saints. He is with them. Just as he said he would be, I am with you. Just as he said. This intimacy. This is the warrior class. This is the warrior mindset, not according to the flesh, but that of the spirit. Different rules of engagement. You see? He says in verse 20, for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Speaking of the gospel, I'm an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He says in verse 21, in closing, but that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. Remember, there's no social media back then. I mean, it's not like, you know, he can have like a little video chat, you know, hey guys, you know, I'm over here and this, I'm over here doing this and pray for that. No, none of that. He says that you may also know my affairs and how I'm doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make all things known to you. I love this. There's not much known about Tychicus. But he was with Paul in Acts 20, verse 4. Uh, he, de- he delivers gifts to the church in Jerusalem in Romans 15, verse 25. He's also a pastor, like a fill-in pastor for Titus in chapter 3, verse 12. And I love this so much because in the holy bubble of Paul, you have this next generation of ministry leaders, such as Tychicus and Timothy and Titus and more. And Tychicus of Tychicus, he says in verse 22, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose that you may know our affairs. Remember, no social media. That you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. That he may comfort your hearts. You see? Put yourself in the sandals You and me, we go back in time. We're in the sandals of the Ephesian saints. Look at the pain that we're undergoing. Where we know that the cost of being a Christian is heavy. We have to be wise in everything we do. Going to the store, going out in the marketplace, at what times, navigating the lands, doing this, who we speak to, who we are openly pray with. We have to be very wise. And yet we've experienced loss according to the flesh, not according to the spirit. But we've experienced loss according to the flesh. Dead husbands, dead wives, dead children, dead parents, dead grandparents, uncles, aunts, believers in Jesus Christ who've lit on fire on the stakes. 
captured for the games. And that's what it's like to be a saint in Ephesus. Where the Ephesians, not the saints, but the Ephesians said, Diana is great. Artemis, the sex, one of many sex goddesses. She is great. And to them, seemingly to them, they're victorious. Why? Because Christians are burning at the stake. Lighting the promenades, you know, at nighttime. Nice little, you know, a candlelit dinner. But where is the victory? It's with the saints. Oh, death, where is your sting? Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now you see, when we have this perspective, how Paul says, yes, I'm sending Tychicus to you, that you may know our affairs, but that he may comfort your hearts. You see? Peace to the brethren in verse 23. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. This is powerful. When we consider these aspects of spiritual warfare, do you see how Satan works? Now that we've studied, I mean, we've, if you've been walking with us for a while, we've studied Matthew, we've studied Acts all the way up until where we are now. I mean, other passages too, but now that we looked at the Corinthian saints, the Galatian saints, the Ephesian saints, do you see the tactics of Satan? Where he uses the flesh in Corinth? Oh, you got to gather in church? No big deal. Let me muddy the waters. Little sex over here, little drugs over here, little alcohol over here, extortion over here. Okay. Go ahead, go ahead, meet and gather. Look, the assembly of the saints. You see? Throwing a wrench where the formula, he, he messes up the formula. Not just in individuals, but in fellowships. Beautiful, beautiful, those in Chloe's household, a little Bible fellowship might have been big. But the formula was right in them. And so Chloe goes to the male covering in Paul. Says, Paul, this is wrong. This isn't right. What's happening in Corinth? Paul says, you know what? We're on, we're, we're on board. I mean, it's a, we see eye to eye, Chloe. You're right. He didn't say, oh, Chloe, how dare you gossip? How dare? Look, Chloe, you're meddling. No, Chloe, you and me are on one, one accord, one spirit. We're, you know, we're the same. I agree. You see? And so Paul sends, writes a letter. Where the formula isn't right, he says, okay, we got to get the formula right. How do we get the formula right? Okay, you guys separate from the leaven. And now that you guys are a remnant, do I praise you in this? Nope. Do I praise you in that? Nope. Why? A little chastising. This isn't good. Your rejoicing isn't good. 
Now I got to teach you about the law, you know, the courtroom setting, you know. Why not let yourself be cheated? Why do you go to court against one another? Why not rather let yourself be cheated? You see? Because going to court against another brother or sister in Christ, that's carnal. That's different rules of engagement. That's a fight of the flesh. Paul says, let yourself be cheated. That's the spiritual warrior. Oh, but I got my rights. I got my rights. I got my rights. In denial of those rights, let yourself be cheated. Paul writes about marriage. With the strong recommendation, he says, eh, you know, I'm not, this isn't a command, but I recommend you remain even as me, which is single, so that we can serve the Lord. You see? And then we get into 2 Corinthians. We get into 2 Corinthians and all of a sudden Paul says, Okay, that leaven, if anybody has repented, bring them back in the fellowship. They've repented. Now they're right with the Lord. And now that you guys, you remnant, are more mature, you're not going to put up with any... He, the guy wants to go do his drugs again. The guy wants to go do his crack again, his sex again, and his alcohol again. You're not going to put up with that because now you guys are different. Now you know about spiritual warfare. So now bring this guy back in. The formula is right in the remnant. Or getting right. And then he opens up about spiritual warfare. You see how Satan works? He'll throw, he'll look at a formula and be like, oh no, this formula is right. So now I'm going to throw a wrench in it. Or this formula is wrong. I got to keep it wrong. That's how Satan works because he doesn't want any warriors. Satan does not want any warriors because warriors are a threat to him. You think there was a threat in Corinth? A threat to Satan in Corinth? There wasn't Chloe's household. Beautiful, beautiful Chloe. She was a threat. And as a warrior for Christ and as a warrior in Christ, she goes to Paul. The formula's got to get right again in Corinth. So Satan, you know, all of a sudden Galatia. Okay, so the sex and the drugs, the extortion, those things of the flesh, that's no big deal. So now I'm going to attack them with the Bible. Instead of being justified in Christ, I want them to be justified through the law. You see, seduction. Hey, just like baby girl, seduced. Seduced to go back to the law. And if a person goes back to the law, they are exiting Jesus Christ. Where it is no longer safe. You think there's warrior class there? Nope. No threat to Satan. They can think they're Christians all they want. But they're outside of Christ, which means they're not in, they're not safe in Christ. They are outside of Christ. And if they're outside of Christ, they're no threat to Satan. In that regard, Satan wins. Because there's no threat. You see? But then you get into Ephesus. Remember how we, in our earlier passages when we'd study, we'd say, you know, the, uh, Ephesus isn't Corinth. Ephesus isn't Galatia. Now it's, okay, no sex, no drugs, no alcohol. Okay, can't get you there. Uh, you, you guys aren't going back to the law. Okay, can't get you there. Now 
It's carnal. It's of the flesh now. Now I got to kill you. Because if you continue like this, now you're a threat. Now I got to kill you. You see? Do you see how Satan works? And in this threat under the, the fist of Rome, very harmful to the saints, very extreme harm to the, to the saints of the Most High. And yet they remain warriors, even when it costs them their life. You see? You see how Satan works? When the formula is right in a Christian, when the formula is right to you, Satan will do everything he can to mess up that formula. He doesn't want that formula right because he knows that that formula is a threat to him. He'll come at you. He'll, he'll tempt you with the sex and the drugs and the alcohol and all kinds of things of the flesh and some people buy into that and they lose that fight. You see? And then some people don't buy into that and so Satan says, okay, round two. Round two. They want to be on, they want to be like Christians. They want to read their Bible. Okay, let's look at the law. Let's look at these things of the Old Testament. Look, you have this this, look, the government is coming against you. Therefore, you have to apply Deuteronomy to your life. They'll come go against them with weapons. Here, go to the, go, go to the range and learn how to, learn how to use these uh, fully automatic weapons so that when the government comes knocking on the door, you can blow them away. See? He doesn't want you to fight a spiritual war. He wants you to fight the, the war in accordance to the flesh. So look, look at these passages, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Leviticus. Look at these passages. Apply these things in your life. You want to be justified? Okay, justified through the law. Do the works of the law. Observe the Sabbaths, the feasts, the festivals. And you don't buy into that? Now you're a different kind of threat to Satan. Now he knows that you're front lines material. You're not a little pipsqueak that he can just flick away. Now he knows that you're a serious threat to him. Now he knows that where you fellowship, that is a threat to him. Now he knows that in your heart, you're a serious threat to him. What's the exhortation what we read in Hebrews 10? When the formula is right, stay. When the formula is wrong, leave, jump ship. A lot of Christians have a hard time leaving churches. And I say this to comfort you. Because if the formula is wrong in your fellowship, where you, where you go to, to, to what you call church, if that formula is wrong, you need to jump ship where it is safe. The ark. You see? And if the formula is wrong in your heart, it's not to say, hey, you know, go home. You can never be in the fight. It's to say, go home, like we study in Deuteronomy 20, to absolutely say, go home. 
This fight isn't for you today. But tomorrow is another story. Next week, another story. Next month, next year, another story. Is to train up. The equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. That we as a remnant of these last days, we roll around on the mats learning how to fight, learning how to engage spiritually. The weapons of our warfare, like we see in, 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 in verse 14, truth, righteousness, verse 15, the gospel, 16, faith, 17, salvation, the spirit, the word of God. Learning. See, this is the warrior class. You could have little tiny noodle arms and yet the mightiest of warriors. Why? Because you're cheek to cheek with Jesus Christ, son of the most high. We must understand these things for the last day's fight that isn't coming. For the last day's fight that is here. The beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.